We are in the book of John. What an appropriate book. We're going to read the whole chapter, all 51 verses, so take a deep breath. <clears throat> in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. <clears throat> His name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that through him everyone might believe. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, children born not of blood, nor of desire or will of man, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, has made him known. And this was John's testimony. When the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? He did not refuse to confess, but openly declared, I am not the Christ. Then who are you? They inquired. Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. All this happened at Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and resting on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus walking by, he, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following. What do you want? He asked. They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John's testimony and followed Jesus. He first found his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. 
Andrew, Andrew brought him to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to set out for Galilee. Finding Philip, he told him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the same town as Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one of the prophets foretold, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Rabbi, Nathanael answered, You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said to him, Do you believe just because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You see greater things than these. Then he declared, Truly, truly, I tell you, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for the power that it has to bring light and life, to bring salvation. Lord, it gives us hope for our future. Father, I just ask for your anointing this, this morning on Jackie. Pour out your spirit. Open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts, Father, that we could receive a new, fresh word from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, God is good. <clears throat> I'm a testimony of his goodness. Anybody watch the news the last couple of days? Huh. That's kind of what I do when I watch the news, too. Uh, and I think about it, and I think there's a trap we can fall into, you know, maybe, maybe the majority of us, certainly at a, a Calvary Chapel, tend to be uh, premillennial, pre-trib, eschatological people, meaning we're looking for the return of Christ. And we can turn and look at the news, and we can say, oh, Lord, come. And I don't think that's bad. Uh, at the end of the, of the book of Timothy, Paul says that there's a crown for all those who have loved his appearing. But I think our view of his appearing needs a little adjustment. The appearing of Christ is not so that we can be rescued. The appearance of Christ is so that we can rejoice in the coming of our King and we have a job to do. And I watch cities burning. And all I see is people who need the, the foundation of Christ that would help them in their frustration. Give them someone to look to. But rather than that, we turn over a police car and throw a, some type of firebomb in it and watch it burn in Salt Lake. 21 cities, might, might be closer to 30 now, all have the same thing. You have a powder keg of need. I want Jesus to come. I want to look at his face. I want to see my king. But I want to be found when he does so, doing what he has called me to do. How can we do that? Well, we just had someone share, just like John Roberts did for so many years. John would come here every year. And he would do our Gideon Sunday for us. How can you help people? Give them hope? Well, there'll be a basket at the door as you leave today. Whatever you drop in that basket goes to Gideon's. So that's one way, right? You, you are, in essence, giving a cup of cold water to those who are out doing the work. How else can we give hope? You know, there's so many easy ways nowadays. You have... The ladies uh, from Calvary Chapel Buell Women's Ministry who share videos on Facebook. And if you will just take the time to like and share it, 
the more you do that, the more people it will hit. And that really doesn't cost you anything. Uh, don't tell me you're not on Facebook. I see you all on there. You're there. Just like, share. Every time you see somebody, uh, especially from here, sharing the gospel, trying to get the word of God out, there's our church services going on right now. Same thing can happen with those. There's some crazy guy doing a bearded biker Bible man. <laughs> you can do the same thing to those. There's opportunity for us. My point is, we look at our world, and Jesus said something. Everybody, the most common question I get asked right now during this time is, you know, wow, are we in the tribulation? No, this is not the tribulation. So you want to know what the tribulation looks like. Read Revelation chapter 6 through 19. And you will say, oh, Lord, hallelujah, we're not there yet. Yeah. But Jesus did say there would be wars and rumors of wars, that nation would rise up against nation, ethnos against ethnos. People would be divided uh, like never before. And then he said these words, but the end is not yet. These things must come. If you read the book of Daniel, you'll discover in the book of Daniel that the, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, right? He has this dream, and in his dream, he sees all the kingdoms of men with clay feet. I'm going to do short Daniel. Clay feet, all the kingdoms of men fail. Anybody studied an everlasting kingdom of men yet? There have been some long ones, but everlasting? No, what was the end of the dream? A rock from the heavens, not cut out with hands. Strikes a statue in its feet, destroys the kingdoms of men, and becomes the kingdom of God. That's the king we look for. That's the one who can put all the pieces together. That's the one that you and I are to be heralding to a world that has lost its foundation. To a nation who no longer holds to the things it held to once. We can sit around and complain that it doesn't, or we can do the job Christ has called us to do. What's that job? To herald the king. As we look at the scripture before us this morning, we're going to be looking at the calling, what they call the calling of the disciples, right? Jesus drawing his disciples. We're going to pick it up in verse 35 as, as we look at John chapter 1. And so as we gathered, the question that resounded to me, at least in, in studying this, is this idea, will you follow Jesus? All those guys who followed Jesus had a job to do, didn't they? They followed him. They were his disciples. And there came a day when Jesus, at least on two occasions, sent them out to the 70. He sent them out to the nations. He sent them out to the world to declare that the time had come. The message that John the Baptist preached, repent, believe the kingdom of God is at hand. And so this message was to go forth from the voice of the heralds that were those who said, I will follow Jesus. Now, why did these guys want to follow him? We pick it up in verse 35. It says, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, two fellows that were following John. Andrew and John, traditionally, we know for sure Andrew's one of them. He's going to be named. The other one is never named. That's why folks say that's John says, he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they left John. It says, and they followed. In the Greek, that means they made a once for all decisive change to turn from where they were and to go after Jesus. What kind of man is able to do that? Which should be able, any believer should be able to do that. To point people to Christ. To not sweat the fact of whether or not they are following Him. Sometimes we look at our own, pastors do it all the time. How do we do it? We say, how many people go to your church? Or how many people log in to watch your, your live since not very many people go to church anymore? 
or whatever things that we may, we may use to, to justify. John the Baptist's heart was such, such that of a, of a herald, the, the one who is proclaiming, there's Jesus, there he is, there he is. That's the job. Point people to Jesus. And then in their following of Jesus, if the Lord takes that person someplace else or some other way, what is that to us? Our job is to do what? Point people where? To Jesus. Point people to Jesus. John says, there he is. Behold the Lamb. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them. It begins. So he asked them, what are you looking for? But that is a really important question. Because nowadays a lot of people are looking for things from Jesus that Jesus never promised. They're looking for, I don't know, an end to all the pain and suffering. They're looking for things that, that aren't what Jesus came to deliver. He came to deliver you and I, broken men and women who are guilty of, of uh, be, and condemned by God. Romans chapter 1 says, For certainty, what can be known of God, He has shown us. We have not responded, and we, find, we stand condemned. Jesus said, I didn't come to this world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might what? Be saved, might be saved through the sacrifice that he would bring. That's why Jesus came. He came to save us from the wrath of God. Thessalonians would declare to us that we are not appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation, how? Through the Lord Jesus Christ, right? We are saved through him. So Jesus turns around and says, what are you guys looking for? You looking for health, wealth, and Happiness, there's, there's probably better guys that you should look for for that. But there's no better place to go for salvation. There's no better place to go for wholeness. There's no better place to go for the touch of God. So he asked them, what are you seeking? And so they answer, Rabbi, Rabbi, teacher. So they're declaring, the first word they speak, they're declaring, we want to follow you. That's what that means. Rabbi, we want to know where you're staying. So Jesus said what? Come and see. I don't want you to lose sight of, of Scripture, what Scripture would declare for us. Because in Matthew eight twenty, Jesus said, The foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has Nowhere to lay his head. Where do you think he was hanging out there in the Judean wilderness? You think he had like a little vacation home that they were staying in? We, we want to see where you're staying. Well, I'm staying right over there by that olive tree. You guys want to join me? Yeah, we do. So they come to be with him. They stayed with him that day. Now we're going to see another calling, guys. We're going to see another opportunity for them to call. And so we want to, we want to recognize that that's going to take place. This is their first meeting. They're going to go. They're going to spend the day with Jesus. Jesus is going to walk by them. Uh, Matthew's going to lay it out for us. Jesus is going to walk by on a particular day. And as he walks by, he's going to say to them one by one, come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. And they're going to be at their fishing boats. Remember the stories? And they're going to lay down their nets and what? Follow him. Follow him. So we see these things coming. We see these things happening. Why are these guys responding to what Jesus is doing? Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is folly to the perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. How do you know? How do you know the person you're talking You don't, do you? That's why God calls us to be heralds. To proclaim the truth of Christ. If someone rejects it, don't sweat it. What did, what did the Lord say to do? Shake the dust off your feet and what? Keep going. 
keep going. Keep moving forward. Keep looking for what the Lord has for you. As Jesus is here and he's telling the people, come and see where I lie. And they go with him and they spend that day with him. It reminds me of Matthew eleven twenty eight. Remember, Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you, what's that word? Rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. It's not your job. Your job is not to to carry the weight of the world. Your job is not to struggle over all of the problems in life. Your job is to find rest in Christ. He is our Sabbath rest. And so we stand in Him. And we do exactly what we're going to see Scripture declare to us. Right now, look at verse 40, John 1, 40. One of the two who heard John speak, who followed Jesus, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found Messiah, which means Christ. He goes to find Peter. They're not, they, they, they leave that place under the tree, wherever Jesus was hanging out. He's going to come into the Galilee. We're going to see in a moment. He's going to go find his brother Simon. You guys know what Simon means? Hearing. Now probably one of the ways that you would describe Peter is not as a man of hearing. It's not very often hearing what people are trying to say. He may be a man of speaking, but not so often a man of hearing. It says, come, we have found Messiah. We have found him, Mashiach. The anointed one, that's what Christ means, the anointed one. It's not Jesus' last name. It is a title. He is the anointed one. Now, I want to kind of put all these pieces together, try to put all these pieces together, because in history, in Jewish history and ancient Near Eastern history, every time a king came upon the throne, uh, Outside of Judaism, they would all declare themselves to be God in the flesh. We're, we, that's why you have to listen to us. We're God in the flesh. We're the Son of God. That, that's what that phrase meant. Now we have, we have become Son of God. Now you hear what, what we say. Pharaoh did it. The Canaanites did it. For the Jews, when the king would sit on the throne, they would read the enthronement psalms. Today... You are my son, today I have begotten you. Remember? The Psalms that they would read about this king who's sitting there, whether it be David or Solomon or Manasseh, good kings or bad kings, they'd read the enthronement psalm, looking at the man and looking forward to one day a coming king, the answer to the, to the failings of men, the answer to our, our struggles, the one who is able to deliver his people. Everyone else was a pale example of the king that would come one day. And so Andrew runs up to Simon and he says to him, we found him. We found the real one. Everybody else always made the proclamation from a throne covered with uh, armies all around them and the power of the nation behind them. But, but we found this one who is out in the middle of the Judean desert. He's meek and gentle. His yoke is well-fitting. And he's promising us rest. Are there anything that we need more than that? I don't know what it is. I look at our world today and all I see is unrest. And the unrest, you know... I'm not a big conspiracy guy, so I, you guys can all tell me about the conspiracies later. They're entertaining. But we, we, what, what, we're, what we are reaping as a nation is what we are sowing. We are sowing injustice and unrighteousness, and so you reap. Sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. Sow to the wind, you will reap the tornado. You always reap more than you sow. 
And there's things that we need to adjust. We need the, the, a surrender to Jesus Christ to see that happen. You, I don't care. Tomorrow you had the red wave blow through and every single Democrat is taken out of office and it's filled with Republicans. You will still struggle with justice and righteousness. Because we need to be submitted to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We need to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. He's the answer. We need to lift our eyes to heaven because he has the things necessary. He, he will teach us justice and mercy, but we got to do it his way. But nobody wants, to, nobody wants to come to the word and say the word of God is authoritative, so we should do it like this. The word of God lays out it gives us guidance that we can follow. Jesus Christ is that king. He says, we found the Messiah. We have found him. So he brought him to Jesus. Look at the first thing that happens. Jesus, what, what's it say? Jesus looked at him. Now I want you to go to the end of Peter's, or maybe the beginning of his, his ministry, but the end of his time as a disciple. You're going to see that phrase again. Peter's going to deny that he knows Jesus Christ three times. And the scripture is going to say in the Gospel of Luke, and Jesus looked at him. In the beginning, when he first comes to him, Jesus looks at him. This, this idea of an intent gaze, like he's looking into his soul. The same thing is going to happen at the end of his ministry. But look what Jesus says at the beginning. He says, you are Simon, son of John. Simon Barjona, you shall be called Cephas. Now, there's two things that take place. One, Jesus is saying, I have authority over you. Because only somebody who has authority over you can change your name. He's saying, I have authority over you. And he's speaking about transformation that's going to take place. You're Simon now, but you're going to be Peter. Your Simon now. This is the idea that when we come to Christ, he is the one who is able to transform us from the inside out, to make us more than what we are. We're all like Simon. We're all something else. We all have our bends, our breaks, our issues, our troubles, not to wallow in those things. We come to Christ for transformation. It's our surrender to him that brings about that transformation. In Matthew 16, verse 15, he said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter. You hear what he said at the beginning of John? You are Simon you shall be Cephas, Peter. When he makes his profession of faith, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, you are Peter. <coughs> you are. You are the stone. He's telling them, I'm going to build on this rock, this profession of faith. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus saw all that in John 1.42 when he looked to Simon, who had never done a thing yet. He looked at him. He said, you are Simon. You will be Peter. The Lord did the same thing when he saw me. The Lord did the same thing when he saw you. You are. He looked at me and said, you are a mess. You are a wreck. You are, you're... I don't even know if I can do anything with you. I'm think pretty sure that's what the Lord said. I can tell you this. My wife went to counseling by herself in the Marine Corps. I'm in the Marine Corps. I don't know where. I must have been in the field or on floats or something. But she went to counseling with a Marine Corps counselor because she's married to a Marine. And the Marine Corps counselor said to her, leave him. He is worthless. He will never change you are up for a life of misery. Now, the life of misery part might have been true. <laughs> but that's the person that everybody else saw. And when I surrendered to Jesus Christ, he said, you are that person. He doesn't say I'm not that person. That is who I am. 
But he also said what I will be. You will be a tool in the master's hand. And when God wields you, and there's nothing you can't do. You are Simon. You will be Peter. God has a plan of transformation and a statement of authority to make over you. You want the Lord to have that statement of authority over you? It begins with you bowing the knee before the king. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. What's the scripture say? And he will lift you up. What's the picture? It's a picture of coming before the king. Jesus said in Matthew, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? Don't pretend he's the king if you have not bowed the knee. I know we have a, a thing in our culture where we, we say a magic prayer. And I don't have anything against the magic prayer. I love the prayer of salvation. But the prayer of salvation has to happen before a heart that is bowed before the king. You're the king, Lord. You're the king. And you're the one I will follow. You're the one. All these other things are, are our best attempts. But the best attempt of man is always going to have feet of clay. That statue comes down. Only the kingdom of, of heaven, only the kingdom of God, that is eternal. And that's where we need to be focused these days. Do I want Jesus to come back? For sure. I want him to come back before I have to load all the magazines on my AR. <laughs> now, whatever I just said on, out on YouTube, they're going to throw my video away. But look, because I want, I, more than anything, I want to see him. But every parable that Jesus told, he told of the good steward who took the things that God gave him and was a faithful steward of what God gave him until the master came back. And none of those stories say that the good steward was the guy who hid himself in his basement hoping that there would be rescue any second and he wouldn't have to do anything. The good steward took what the Lord gave and he used what the Lord gave until he returned. That's how we're supposed to live. being heralds of the great king. It says the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. So now he's left the area of the baptism. He's gone up into the Galilee. And he found Philip. And he said to Philip, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the same city of Andrew and Peter. So Andrew and Peter, they're all they're back at their ships. We're going to see John. He's back at the, at his boat, at the boat as well. Jesus is now walking through the Galilee and the touch point of all the people he had met down at the baptism. Now we're getting ready to move forward. Jesus, he's walking through, he's going to walk past each one and he's going to say this, this phrase, follow me. And he's going to turn around and keep walking. And what are they going to do? They're going to follow him. Jesus hasn't changed what he's saying. He's saying the same thing to you. He's saying the same thing to me. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? Will you be who I need you to be? Matthew 4.18 says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Remember the story? Now, Andrew and Peter have already met him. But now they're being called. Follow me. Now they're being drawn to him. I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. They leave them. Drop and go. Whatever you, whatever you have, Lord, whatever you want, then I'll do it. Whatever it is. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Sons of thunder, right? Boagernes. Yeah. He sees them, and he says, in the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
But the same message is, is being laid out for us today. You want to you wanna have an answer for a world that is in a downward spiral? Neighbor killing neighbor. Man hating man. That's not new. Man's been doing that since Genesis chapter 3. The cure is the heart submitted to Jesus Christ as our great God and Savior, as the King of Kings. The cure is men and women who will say, I will follow you, whatever that looks like, who drop their nets and go. The idea for me of dropping those nets is drop the way you want to do it. Anybody have an opinion on how we should solve all the problems of the world? Yeah, you should drop it. Drop your opinion. I promise your opinion is not the way that, that God told Gideon to find victory. You know, Gideon, what you really need to do is let everybody go home. I want you to stand against an army of 40,000 people with 300. That seems like a good round number. None of you would have picked that plan. None of you would have said, you know what we should do for Jericho is just march around the city. Be really quiet. On the seventh day, on the Sabbath day, we'll do it more than every other day. Just to mess with all the people who have problems with legalism. We're going to do more work on the Sabbath than any other day. Then we're going to shout and the walls are going to... Was that your plan? How about this one? Abraham, take the son, the son whom you love, to the mount that I will show you, and there offer him as an offering to me. That would have been your plan? What about another one with Abraham? Abraham, take your son, the son that you love, Ishmael. Give him one glass of water and send him out of the camp. That would have been your plan? I can promise you one thing I know for certain. Our plan is not it. What we need is men and women full of the Holy Spirit, submitted to God, willing to do what God's asking us to do, whatever that looks like. Now, I'm the first one to tell you sometimes that's difficult to come to, right? Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that takes work. Just ask the board elders. They've been working on that for a couple of weeks. And it takes effort, and it takes time, and it takes prayer, and it takes submission, and it takes the quieting of our own spirits, right? And to say, Lord, what are you saying? Lord, where are you directing? God, what do you want us to do? But we go after it until we have it. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to give up. The question that we have to answer is what Jesus is asking the disciples. Will you follow me? What if I ask you to do something you don't want to do? What if I ask you to do something you don't like? Will you follow me? Jesus said a lot of things that are rough to do. Didn't he say, love your enemy? Do good to those who despitefully use you? If a Roman soldier comes alongside you and bids you to carry his stuff for a mile, Jesus said, go with him too. But those aren't easy things, are they? There's a lot of things the Lord calls us to that are difficult. But we have to answer the question, will you follow me? That's what Jesus wants to know. Will you follow me? I watched a movie. I don't remember the name, so I can't tell you to watch it. Uh... It was about movie about in the days of nights, you know, I don't know. That's how bad I am with movies. <clears throat> but I do remember this. I remember that the king had like, you know, the main knight. I don't know what you call him. We'll call him first knight. So he goes to the first knight, and the king, there's a rebellion against the king, and they're going to slaughter all the knights, and they're all making a last stand. And they're in their last stand, and they're in, the, in this area outside the castle right and the enemies have come and they're totally surrounded There's nothing they can do and all the knights do is they look at the king and say we're ready to die right here with you we're ready to die right here and the king says good and then he drops a knee and he looks at the new ruler 
the one who had just conquered them. And he says, my life for theirs. And the king says, okay. The other king, okay. So he looks up at the first knight and he says, it's your job. And the first knight goes, what are you talking about? He says, you have to kill me and you all live. And the, the first knight says, no, I ain't going to do that. Let's fight. We'll all die here. We're ready to die here for you. And he says, I don't want you to die here. You said your sword is mine. Yes or no? Is your sword mine? The first knight says, my sword is yours. Then he said, kill me with it. That's how you find out if the sword's really his. The point is, your sword, does it belong to Jesus? Or is it yours? And you only want to use it your way, or will you use it his way? And if he asks you to do something you don't want to do, will you do it? That's when you know, yeah, I'm following him. That's my king. That's my savior. That's my Lord. Philip, he leaves that place and he runs and he finds Nathaniel and he says, we found him of whom Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote. Man, I'm telling you, this is the guy, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? What's Philip say? Does he argue with him? He says, well, of course they can, you know. Good things came out of Nazareth before. Nope, he don't waste any time arguing. What's he say? Come and see. Come and see. Nathaniel, we know, is from Cana. We're going to see Cana next week. And Cana and Nazareth, they're close to each other. They don't get along. You ever notice how towns that are close to each other don't get along? Yeah? There's always some kind of rivalry going on between them. Well, that's what you got going on here. What, could, what good can come out of Nazareth? Doesn't matter. He doesn't matter. He says, come and see. Come see. So Jesus, look, here it comes again saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, in that sentence, which seems pretty minor to me, you have Nathanael say, How do you know me? And Jesus respond, Before Philip called you, when you were sitting under the fig tree, I saw you. Whatever happened under that fig tree, whatever was going on in Nathaniel's mind, as he found a quiet place out somewhere to, to sit down, and he's just alone with his thoughts, thinking, praying, reading Scripture. We'll look at possible Scriptures maybe he was reading. He's looking at all these things, but Jesus says to him, I saw you under the fig tree. And in that phrase, in that moment... You have Nathaniel say, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. Keep in mind what I told you. That phrase, the Son of God, that meant God in the flesh to rule us. Because he says the next phrase as well. You are what? The King of Israel. You're the one we've been looking for. Every king that ever came, when we pronounced that king and we read the royal psalms, over that king, we were looking forward to the answer, the true king of kings and lord of lords. One day, he's going to come. And Nathaniel says, it's you. And all Jesus told him was, I saw you under the fig tree. God is able to, to speak to you just the right word at just the right minute. A lot of us are going to have a variety of crossroads in our life. Times where we get to choose, right? I'm going to go left, I'm going to go right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And when you're in that place, man, it'd be my prayer that you can hear the voice of God because he's saying something to you. I remember when he told me, like he told Peter once, do you love me more than these? And I remember saying, yea, Lord, you can have it all. We have to come to that place. Here we see Nathaniel declaring, look, man, I'm, I, I know you are the son of God. You're the one we've been looking for. You're him. 
They're going to make that proclamation in chapter 12 of John, right? They're going to take palm branches and they're going to wave them out before him. And they're going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Even the king of Israel, you are the son of God. That's what that phrase means. Not little born one. Wasn't the idea of demigod. That comes way later. In their vernacular, it was God in the flesh to rule us. That's, the, that's who they're looking for. When they declare him to be the son of God, that's what they're declaring. God in the flesh to rule us, the king of kings, lord of lords. So Jesus answered and said, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You ain't seen nothing yet. That's what he says. You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Son of Man takes us back to the book of Daniel again. Daniel, at the ascension of Christ, we are given this vision in Daniel of the Ancient of Days. And one like the Son of Man comes and the Ancient of Days, God the Father moves over and sets up a throne for the Son of Man. He declares to him in the Psalms, sit here until I make your enemies your footstool. The Son of Man. Maybe what was going on with Nathaniel is he sat under that fig tree as he's reading Genesis 28. Remember Genesis 28? That's where Jacob is running away from his brother, and he has no pillow. He uses a rock, a stone for a pillow. You remember? He has a dream. They call the dream Jacob's Ladder. And he sees angels ascending and descending on Jacob's Ladder, and he's thinking, man, surely God is in this place, and I knew it not. And so he names that place Bethel, the house of God. Now Jesus, as he's sitting there, maybe Nathaniel was reading that, wondering what that was all about. Jesus says to him, you're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's saying, I'm the ladder. He's going to say, right, and John, he's going to lay out for us, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except I'm the ladder, I'm the bridge, I'm the way. And so the question that he lays out for them, hey, there's no way to the king you want to see. There's no way to the kingdom you want to see. There's no way to the salvation you want except by me. I am the Son of God. John pointed at him and said, This Son of God, he is also what? The Lamb of God. For what purpose has he come? To take away the sin of the world. That he's the only one who can make atonement. Why? Because he's without sin. You and I, we're guilty. We all sin today. Yes, I watched you as you drove in the parking lot. I know you were sinning. <laughs> we sin today. We, we sin too often. But we have a Savior who has made a way for us. What did John write in 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and... Cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. It is his pleasure, according to the book of Jude, to present me faultless before his father. It is his pleasure, his honor, to cover me with a robe, to put a ring on my finger, to throw his arms around the prodigal son and say, Dad, Jackie's home. Jesus is asking you and he's asking me the same things, guys. He wants to know, will you follow me? That's the most important question we will ever answer. Will you follow me?
Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time we can gather. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the examples we can see in other men's lives, Lord, who heard the call. Jesus said, come and follow me. They dropped their nets. They went. When John the Baptist said, look, there's the Lamb of God, the one who can take away your sin, who can restore your relationship with the God of heaven. There he is. They left and followed him. And we look in a world right now that doesn't have answers, and they think that we're all about uh, a religion, we're all about rules, we're all about do's and don'ts and what thou shalt and what thou shan't. But the reality is we're all about Jesus Christ paving a way for us to lay down our sin. For we all have what the scripture declares, that sin that so easily ensnares us. And God, you call us all. We may have different sins that so easily ensnare us. But you call us to lay down all those things that we think make us who we are. You say lay it down. Bow the knee. Do I have your sword? Are you mine? Will you follow me? I'm reminded of what Joshua declared before the children of Israel as they were finishing up their time in the promised land. Joshua's time was drawing near. He said to them all, you have to choose who you will serve. As for me and my house, we bow the knee to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, to the Captain of the Lord's army. And where he sends me, I will go. Whatever he asks me, I will do. And I will be a faithful steward for him whether days are easy or days are hard, until I see his face so that I might hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. God, be glorified in this place as we lift our eyes to you in Jesus' name.